Good afternoon. You're listening to WOWDLP Tacoma Park. My name is Maxfield Wallam Fisher. This is Bienvenido al Tango. I'll be joined soon by my co-host, Phil Jones, and we have a very special guest today, uh, Pierre Baston, who will be coming on to discuss uh, the uh, inf influence and lineage and, and racism and challenges and, um, and beauty of the uh, African lineage in tango in its early days and um, how, how it's affected us now. Um, you know, looking back at this week, in, in the beginning of this week, I, I wasn't thinking about this show. Um, I, and when I started to, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure if it made sense. Um, but uh, uh, Phil and I talked a lot, and we talked to a lot of different people about what, what would be a good idea, what we could do, um, the, you know, the weight of and importance of the, the terrible killing of, of George Floyd and importance of, of um, you know, Black Lives Matter and what's, what's going on right now and, and the need for change was, was heavy with us and we yeah, weren't, weren't sure what to do. Um, so I want to thank all the people we spoke with um, who gave us advice and, and ideas. Um, uh, I want to thank my, my pianist who I spoke with, of my tango orchestra. Um, I had asked, you know, what, what made sense and we were talking about you know, the idea of, of looking at uh, black and African contributions to tango through the years. And I, I raised the idea that I didn't want to sound um, trite or like, so, um, um, you know, less intense than, than the moment and looking at it sort of in a, you know, a February Black History Month kind of a way. And, and I immediately she made the point that that was a really, she, I felt very silly, but... Um, what what she said was, you know, of course, the everyone wants wants the the depth and and presence of um, every every detail to be known all year long, obviously. Um, and um, speaking then with a really close friend of mine, um, who said I could I could quote him, you know, he talked about how he didn't feel like, you know, he was happy to share his his stories and his family's stories, but you know, the sharing of 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 that can is traumatic. Reliving that um, for him and and his family can be hard, um, traumatic because, you know, you he's, he was saying his line was you grew up feeling free and then you know you have an encounter and suddenly you realize you're not and it hurts you, and it hurts uh, your family and you you talk about it with your family and you relive it and you go through it with everyone you know, and then, um, uh, then you're asked to share it, you know, with other people and, and his comment was to me was, you know, you have privilege and you have resources. So it's important for you to do your own research, to do research and to understand it. And of course, um, that, that affected me as well. So um, that really energized me. Um, and, and he said to, to, to research and to share yourself um, so that, yes, we're, we're here and we're going to share with you. And he was you know, talking for himself, but um, uh, so, so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, really excited, actually, about um, uh, the work we've done and uh, what we're, we've been able to put together. So, on that note, at a, at a request from our upcoming guest, we're going to start off the show with Milanga Sentimental, an early version of. You can really hear the habanero um, and milonga underlying beat, which comes uh, quite, quite definitely out of African diaspora in Latin America and the world.
That was Milonga Sentimental. The next song I'll play for you is, it has too many R's, so I always say it wrong, but El Entrariano, written by a uh, Afro-Argentine composer uh, in the late ni- 1890s. And this will be a performance by the very famous uh, uh, black pianist Horacio Salgan with his dual partner, partner Ubaldo de Leo.
All right. El Entrerriano, Horacio Salgan, in duo with Ubaldo de Leo. I'm joined now by my co-host, Phil Jones, who is also with Pierre Bastone. Welcome. I'm here with Pierre Bastone, who we are so lucky to, uh, one, find, and two, persuade to join us on the show. Pierre is a well-known uh, teacher, historian, dancer, and deep student of the African connections in tango. Pierre, I turn it over to you. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that you guys have an interest in um, the African roots of tango. This is a dance that I've been loving for about 16 years now. And uh, I, I first became bitten during a trip to Argentina. Um, I saw one of those like fabulous dinner shows and was smitten. Like the next day I had to find out where I could take a lesson. I only had enough time for 20 minutes of the lesson before I had to leap into a cab and rush to the airport to fly back home. But uh, ever since then, uh, this has been a big part of my life. And uh, I think like everyone who starts to dance, I had heard that there was some kind of African contribution to tango. But when I asked people to like help me see it or hear it, um, I never got any satisfactory response. When I look at tango, when I listen to the music, I hear and see what seems like a European dance. But then I've always loved history, so I decided to look into this thing myself, and I was able to find some answers that I'd be happy to share with you. Absolutely. We're, we're really looking forward to that. And um, I want to thank, thank you for being here, and I really in, was enjoying looking through your Facebook posts, which is how we got connected with you, the, the beautiful artwork of early tangos that you've been collecting. Sheet music, uh, the Spanish word for that is patitura. And I've been collecting patituras for well, ever since I began the dance because, as I told you, I, I love history. I love to study the origins of things. And what I've learned from all of my studies is that uh, just about anything you can point to in modern life that we enjoy and we treasure was the cumulative result of contributions of just about every race and major ethnicity on the planet but we just don't know it. And those connections have been lost in time. Um, the ketchup, for example, at McDonald's, I mean, it seems quintessentially American. Who would know that ketchup actually comes from a Chinese fish seasoning called katsiap that came to New England, tomato sauce was substituted, and we eat it on our hamburgers like it was just created uh, here in the USA. But if we knew the, let's say, foreign origins of everyday things in our own lives, then I think we would recognize that the people who, who created those things are not really so different from us. They, they don't seem so much like the other, but like a fellow traveler, you know, on the planet who enriches our lives. Mm. So basically, I started collecting sheet music because the sheet music, uh, has illustrations on the cover. And sheet music was incredibly important at the turn of the last century uh, because this was before phonographs were widely distributed. They were expensive and rare. So if a family wanted to bring music into the home and if they were somewhat prosperous, 
they'd have to do it by playing the songs on the piano. So basically, a piece of sheet music that they would buy at the store would be the equivalent of CDs or iTunes or vinyl records of a more modern time. And so the covers were very important. They were designed to sell. And if we look at each of the images, each one represents a kind of snapshot of some idea or value or concept, some important current event at the time when it was created. So that's why you see in my post, um, every idea that I have is illustrated with an image that comes from these musical sheets. So what, what did you start to discover? Tell me more about how the research went and, and what that was like. Well, yeah, what I discovered is, uh, I mean, all of us hear that, all right, there were these predecessors of tango, Kanjenge on the one hand, Kandombe we hear, uh, but they're not really well defined in the minds of most of our dancers. So the first thing I dug out was uh, the kind of lineage of tango. Um, its African roots lie in the slaves who were imported to Argentina to work mostly in the field, but also in Buenos Aires to work as domestic servants and as artisans and craftsmen. And what was, it almost blew me away to learn that in the 19th century, in the early 19th century, slaves were slaves, all right, and there were some free blacks, but they were actually given permission to congregate in mutual aid societies and get together every week to have their music and their dance. And there were more than 50 of these African mutual aid societies, which were also called African nations, like in the 1830s through the 1870s. Wow. And they were all concentrated in the southern suburbs of Buenos Aires, which was the poor part of town. But the sound of conga drums, the other drums of candombe and of, of the African slaves and free men reverberated throughout the streets of southern Buenos Aires when these 50 candombes or dance parties took place. So any occupant of the city of Buenos Aires would have heard and recognized the sound of African music in this way. Uh, one of the most important figures in Argentine history, this uh, general Juan Manuel de Rosas, who was the ruler of Argentina from the 1830s through the 1840s, he was famous for actually going to and listening to these uh, African dance parties, these condombes, and he would bring his little daughter Manuelita with him. And that was something that made him infamous or famous, depending on your political point of view. So this is how Argentines first became exposed to the music of Africa. Hey, Max. Yeah. I'm wondering if this would be a good time to play toca tango. To does, play, play the tango. How does that sound, Pierre? Sounds great to me. Let me let me say a little bit about the lyrics to this song. This, this song was written by Juan Carlos Caceres, a, a 60s era historian of music in the Rio Plata region. Play the tango, play the tango, the blacks with the drums say. Play the tango, play the tango, the black one comes. Zango's alive. There's some deeper lyrics behind there and I encourage you to research those, you uh, studious listener. Toca tango. Toca tango. Juan Carlos Caceres.
negro te fuiste sin avisar Los gringos fueron cambiando tu manera de bailar Tango negro, tango negro, el amo se fue por mal Se acabaron los candomes en el barrio de Montserrat Más tarde fueron saliendo en comparsa de carnaval Pero el rito se fue perdiendo al morirse Baltasar Mandinga, congos y mina repiten en el compás Los toques de sus abuelos, borocoto, borocoto, chachás Mandinga, congos y mina repiten en el compás Los toques de sus abuelos, borocoto, borocoto, chachás Borocoto, 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 chachás Ah, we're back. Sorry. Uh, now you can hear me. It's a lot of new buttons and things to be working on here, I'm, but I'm glad we're able to have all three of us uh, on the phone here. So, back so a couple, a few more lyrics from uh, uh, that song. Uh, they stopped in Buenos Aires to wash themselves or to beg or to rest in shelters for immigrants. Many walked without sleeping. At the times of revolution, they were sent to war. Many of them returned without arms and unmotivated. 
One black was massaging his skin to forget his pain or to laugh at his fate, smoothly dancing condombe. Uh, so there's a story here in this song of uh, the suffering of people in Argentina, as well as many other countries in the New World. And you will talk more about that, yes? Oh, I definitely will. Yeah. Um, because, as you know, at, well, at this time in the 1830s, uh, there were a lot of black people in Argentina. 30% of the population of Buenos Aires was black. But by 1887, the percentage had dropped to 2%. And people started asking the question uh, that's persisted for over 100 years, what happened to the black people of Argentina? And uh, when we get to that part of the discussion, uh, that's when you'll hear about some of the suffering going on. But right now in the story, we're talking about how African music, as expressed in Candombe, uh, somehow got incorporated into tango. Uh, when do we start to see that happen, or do you have a sense of that? Yes. Uh, historians say that tango, in the form that we know it as a distinct dance form, uh, happened around 1880. But a lot of stuff happened between like 1830 and 1880 that's worth noting. Um, there's a painting, in fact, from 1830 called Procession of Our Lady of the Rosary. And uh, this is a fascinating piece of evidence of the African influence in tango that I had been looking for. It's a painting of, uh, you know, it's a religious celebration. You see Christian uh, celebrants carrying around the statue of um, a saint. But there's one figure in the foreground who's very interesting. It's a black man, and he's standing in a very particular way. His knees are together, but his two feet are splayed out to the side. Now, this is very interesting because this is a position that we actually use in tango a lot. When we do barridas, forward and back foot drags, this is the position that a lot of tangueros take because it, it allows us to execute the, the drag without the knees of the dancers clashing. So our knees are together, but our feet extend out to the side. It has a practical purpose today, but it comes from a Congo-African pose called Fukana that is a sign of respect. And it's illustrated in this painting from 1930. So we know that there are elements from African Congo culture expressed in evidence in this 1830 painting, which we in the 21st century use today when we enjoy our dance. That was exciting to see. Is this, Pierre, is this a picture in your uh, slide pack? It is. it is, yes. So just to let folks know, if you would like to view the slides and have access to a computer and Facebook. Uh, I have posted the, the link to the page on our Bienvenido Al Tango Facebook page. It's Tango Sur y Norte. And so if you're interested, those are there. We're and going to listen particular... now. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, let me just add to this particular image. <clears throat> there are three parts to my history so far. Uh, this can be found in part two, wh whose name is African Roots. 
and you'll find that uh, image, the procession of Our Lady of the Rosary in that section. Yeah, I was looking at that earlier, really beautifully laid out um, visuals to go along with uh, your history. So definitely um, something we're, we're happy to be sharing. Um, next up, we're going to hear La Puñalada, which um, is a milonga. This is recorded by Quinteto Real, uh, Grand Quinteto Real in, I think, the 50s. Um, again, Salgan on piano. Um, we'll hear Pedro Lorenz uh, playing bandoneon and Francini on violin as well as others.
La Puñalada from Gran Quinteto Real. We heard Pedro Larenz, Horacio Salgan, Enrique Francini, and just amazing use of rhythm and percussion from, from uh, a tango quintet. Uh, this is, you're listening to Bienvenido al Tango here on WWD LP 94.3 FM, Tacoma Park, and streaming at tacomaradio.org. My name is Max. I'm here with my co-host, Phil, and we're talking with Pierre Baston, looking at uh, the African history uh, and lineage in, in tango, in tango culture. So one thing I think it, that, that you guys mentioned when we talked earlier was the, the deep connections to jazz. And I think that the jazz connection of tango gets lost a little bit for all the folks who um, are intent on dancing to what we'll call the top 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, but musically, those and with the musicians, those influence were just just crossing everywhere. I was going to say that uh, I, I ran across. I was surprised to discover the influence of tango. Actually, tango rhythms, the habanera rhythm, on jazz, early ragtime. The first so-called official ragtime song, it seems, uh, employed the habanera rhythm from tango. Yeah, we see that rhythm uh, across Latin America, New Orleans um, to Buenos Aires, and it's a really, really hugely impactful rhythm on all music that we hear today. Def is, yeah, it's huge. So where are we in, in our story here with you? Well, we're at the place where, like, <clears throat> you have this African uh, music in the air in the city, and you have African dance going on, which the entire population got to see either at these weekly condombes of the African societies, or once a year during the enormous carnival celebrations when these African societies would dance and play music throughout the streets of the entire city. But how do we get from African condombe to tango? Well, we saw that um, <clears throat> Some of the dance moves from Candombe were incorporated. And we just heard a song that incorporated one of the African rhythms uh, as the rhythmic sort of foundation of many tangos and milongas. But uh, the influence of Africans on tango didn't just stop with their creation of a predecessor dance, the Candombe. There were black Argentines who were actually creating tango. In 1889, the Royal Spanish Academy's Dictionary of the Spanish Language defined tango in this way. They said tango was, quote, the party and dance of blacks and city dwellers in America. It's amazing. That's how much black innovators dominated and propelled the advancement of tango. The very first tango recording ever was by uh, Argentina's greatest Pachador which is a particular tradition of singing guitarists. And he made that first tango recording in 1905. And there's actually an Argentine-like national holiday that's been named in his honor. And you know, Max, one of the songs that you played earlier in this very show, El Entre Riano, mm-hmm. was compo- composed, as you said, by black composer Rosendo Mendizabal. But that happens to be the very first published tango by a known composer. The very first published tango ever was by a black Argentine. And the very first movie ever made about tango called Tango Argentino, a movie that was made in the year 1900, 
Well, the star of that movie was a sensational black dancer named Agapito. And then there's a final tidbit that I'd like to share at this moment, okay? Mm-hmm. Juan Carlos Copes. Uh, this guy changed tango. And in fact, he has been named the tango dancer of the 20th century. He took his very first tango lesson from a black Argentine dancer called Carlos El Negro Anzuate in the 1940s. And what's very interesting is that the lesson that he learned in that very first experience, it was the hero, how to do the hero. And that figure was invented, in fact, by a black Argentine named Felix Lavandina Luján. So it's clear to me now that black Argentines were actually the pioneers of tango. And continued to be present, it sounds like. They continued to be present, but their influence waned um, because of a couple of factors. First of all, um, white Argentines who admired the black Argentine dance form that had been created well, white Argentines became more and more proficient, and eventually they took over the dance and brought their own aesthetics to the dance, which were European, of course. And that process was accelerated by the fact that the number of black Argentines diminished. In fact, the number crashed, as I alluded to earlier. Right. So with fewer and fewer black Argentines around, uh, the influence of black aesthetics in the dance became less and less and the dance became more and more European. But this kind of cultural sharing, I mean, this is the story of human civilization, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there's nothing that has only one people as its source. And this kind of mixing is what makes our human culture, world culture, so rich, all right? So this process of cultural sharing is good, and it's fine. But what I'd like to talk about now is really like what happened to the black Argentines who at first dominated and spearheaded the development of tango. Where did they go? What happened to them and why? If you guys would like to know. Yes, please. <clears throat> well, there are like four major factors that historians point to for the disappearance of black Argentines. The first one I can talk about is war. Uh, black slaves were conscripted into the army, and black free men too, since the War of Independence for Argentina in 1810, through this incredibly bloody Paraguayan War of 1865. Blacks were conscripted. Um, if you were a slave owner in Argentina, you had to give a certain percentage of your slaves to the state to fight and die in these Argentine wars. Wow. The second major factor was actually the end of slavery. Like when slavery was ended, you would think that black people who had formerly been slaves would then become black citizens of Argentina. But that didn't happen because slavery was declared um, at an end in the Constitution of 1853. So what happened is Argentines who owned slaves in order not to lose their capital investment in slaves, sold their slaves to Brazil, where slavery continued until 1888. So that was another major reason for the exodus of black people from Argentina to other places. And then there was the yellow fever epidemic of 1871. And in, 
in an example of history repeating itself, um, 8% of the population of Buenos Aires was killed by this yellow fever epidemic. But it's believed that the percentage of black Buenos Aires residents who died was much, much higher. And that's because they had to live in the overcrowded conditions of the southern barrios. Uh, the main source of water was the Riachuelo River, which was contaminated with human waste and waste from the, um, the, the, the meat packing industry. So as a result, blacks died in what is believed to be astronomical numbers as a result of this infection. And look at what's happening today with coronavirus. Uh, it's the very same story happening all over again. Yeah. And very then relevant. a fourth factor that uh, historians point to is infant mortality. And this may bring us maybe to our next musical cue. Um, if you can believe this, 35% of black infants died within the first year of life at times during the 19th century in Buenos Aires. 35% of every black baby born. And that's significantly higher than the mortality rate for white children. And, you know, I was blown away when I found this song, Negra Maria, by Lucio de Mare, who did the music, and the lyrics by Omero Mansi, because this song is so powerful at depicting the tragedy of the loss of all that human potential in a high infant mortality rate for black porteños. And I wonder if you guys would care to play it, and then maybe afterwards I could tell you about the lyrics. Absolutely. Here is Lucio de Mare, Negra Maria. Nació de día, tendrá fortuna, bordará la madre su vestido largo y entrará a la fiesta con un traje blanco y será la reina cuando María cumpla 15 años. Negra María, Negra María, Negra María que abriste los ojos en carnaval. Grandes tendrá María, dientes de nácar color moreno. Ay, qué rojos serán tus labios, ay, qué cadencia tendrá tu cuerpo. Vamos al baile, vamos María. Negra la madre, negra la niña, negra cantarán para vos los guitarras y los violines y los rezongos del bandoneo. Negra María, que abriste los ojos en carnaval. 
María que abriste los ojos en carnaval. Wow, incredible song there. Uh, if you're just joining, this is WWDLP, Bienvenido al Tango. We're speaking with Pierre Baston about uh, African lineage and uh, impact and culture in in tango. So, Negra Maria, Lucio de Mare, what were we listening to there? Yeah, well, this is an incredible uh, song for me. First of all, the rhythm of the music is so lively and energizing. And by that, uh, the artist meant to represent the hope and the joy represented by the birth of a new life, a black baby, black Maria. These are some of the lyrics from the song. Dark of skin, Dark was Maria born, and she's in her cradle. Born in the daytime, her life will be charmed. We will call you Black Maria, Black Maria who opened her eyes during carnival. Let's go to the dance. Let's go, Black Maria. Black the mother, Black the daughter, Black. They will sing for you, the guitars and violins and murmuring bandoneons. Dark of skin, dark, did Maria die? And she's in her cradle. She left us in the daytime and never saw the moon. We will cry for you, Black Maria. Black Maria, who closed her eyes during carnival. This song, to me, is incredibly affecting and frank and represents the loss of human potential encapsulated within any death. Uh, but it's particularly poignant as it applies specifically to the black population in Buenos Aires and in Argentina in general, and maybe in black America today. Uh, the one final note I'd like to add about what happened to Argentina's blacks? Why and how did they disappear? Uh, there's one prominent historian who suggests that, yes, even though the numbers of blacks in Argentina have dwindled to almost nothingness, maybe a greater explanation for their apparent disappearance is not the reduction in their numbers, but their exclusion or erasure from history. And as that relates to tango, um, there's an incredible example that comes, in fact, from one of the, one of the um, creators of this song, Negra Maria. Uh, the music is by Demare, but the lyrics, as I said, are by Omero Mansi. And Omero Mansi wrote these lyrics in 1941. But in 1950, he co-directed a movie called Last of the Pachadores. And in that movie, 
a historic figure named Gabino Essesa was represented. Gabino Essesa, as I might have mentioned, was the black man who made the very first tango recording, the man after whom there's a national holiday. Gabino Essesa was very black, and if you go to my post, you'll see how he looks. But the actor that Omero Manzi chose to portray Gabino Essesa was a white man, and he looks white. So for succeeding generations, everyone who would see that movie and that actor portraying that black hero would never know the truth about the achievements of uh, black Argentines. So there are so many lessons to be learned from history. Uh, one of them is how tragically uh, it repeats itself in, in awful ways. But I think there's hope if we study history and we learn that uh, the people who helped to create the dance that we love so much looked very much like George Floyd, then I think it would be easier to see that George Floyd, George Floyd is really us. He won't seem so much like an other whose life has so little value. Yeah. And that's the main lesson I take from this study. Thank you so much, Pierre. Um, and I want to do a shout out thanks to the people who helped us think about and prepare the show, uh, to Christina McFadden for helping, pointing me immediately to Pierre as the person that we really should talk to. I had, I had called Christina because she is doing organizing work around uh, helping voices be heard in tango. Um, thanks to Amy Carberg for her perspective that reminded me that tango is both a leveling field where we all just go for the dance and we could be colorblind. Um, and other folks that gave us guidance, Russ Vernon Jones, who's been working on as a white person, working on issues of racism for 30 plus years. Um, we keep learning. Hopefully this is a, this is an opportunity for us all to grow and, and build a different society. Mm -hmm. It's an historical Amen. moment. In honor of yes. Gabino Aziza, I'm going to play Pajadora. Pajada, uh, Gabino being a famous Pajada, was an improviser of, of words, often over a milanga or other rhythm. And uh, Pajadora is written in, in that style.
Thank you. So, Pajadora. That was Sexteto Major with Pajadora. Um, thank you. Um, I, I also want to send my thank yous to everyone who's joined us and, and participated in the conversation um, about this. It's something that we will will continue to explore and, and, and work with and go through. Um, it's on us that we haven't spent enough time on it before, to be honest. So a uh, huge thank you to Pierre and to Phil. And thank you. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Max. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so uh, as we go out here, uh-oh, where are we? Okay. Thank you. You're going to play one of my favorite composers. Yes. This is Horacio Salgan, uh, again with his duet partner, Ubaldo de Leo, playing La Cumparcita. Um, and um, yeah, this is a great, great track. Thank, thank you. Thank you for being here today. Um, let's all take care of each other. Take care. Take care, everybody. Be persistent. Be hopeful. Yeah. Be See hopeful. you next week. Be safe.